Welcome to the Gottlieb Nation. We're so happy you joined us tonight. We have a very special guest at this podcast. We discuss everything from religion to philosophy to psychology to biology, whatever you want, we discuss here. We have a very important guest tonight, but before we get to guests, let's discuss our sponsorship. Tonight's episode is sponsored by Salt and Crumbs. I'm telling you, this is incredible sourdough made locally in Los Angeles. This stuff is amazing. I've tried it. It's the best sourdough, a lot better than Trader Joe's or Whole Foods. Even our engineer tried it. Real good stuff, I gotta say. Yeah, so if you're in the area, check it out. So as we mentioned, we have an incredible guest with us tonight. His name is Yosef Gottlieb. He was actually just a little about by Yosef. Uh, he'll tell us more. But he was born in New Jersey in a place called Freehold, New Jersey, which is a small little town. And um, then after he was born, he moved with his family to uh, Los Angeles, California. And that's where he currently lives in Los Angeles, California. He's right now with me in the studio in our studio in Hastings, Nebraska, and we're really excited to have him here. And uh, we really appreciate that you came and to join us and took up, you know, my precious time. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to the conversation, and uh, let's get into it. Yeah. So, um, just so our audience know, um, little background. Um, would you like to start with your background? Um, my background is top secret information, so I can't reveal it over you know, a public podcast, but uh, if you want, you can give a short introduction. Okay, so here, here, this is what I could tell you so far. So uh, this young man, Yosef, um, he, he grew up in an, in, in an environment, in a uh, community that for him, God and religion is, is acceptable as being the, you know, the, the, the word of truth and being the, the, the absolute and just some basic things, like let's say we believe uh, believe uh, that God is one, God created the world, God is still involved in the world. The Thirteen principles of faith. The faith, um, basically the, the the traditional Jewish belief of, of of all this stuff, and and I've been studying Yosef for about seventeen years. I've been I've been observing Yosef, and. Uh, I've noticed at a certain point, and I don't know ex- the exact year, but at a certain point where Yosef started reading or watching YouTube videos, there was something that uh, started changing in his thinking, meaning that he, the, 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 the community has a certain way of thinking, and there was a certain point where you came to realize a certain book or a certain video or a certain something that what you're being taught and what the books are saying or you're thinking is different. So my question is a twofold question. At what point did you did you sort of notice a difference between what you're being taught and what you're thinking? That's one question. The second question is, is there a specific book or a specific yeah, so thing? It wasn't one specific thing. It wasn't like uh, one book or one quote I read, God is dead. And I just became this edgy nihilist. It was more just like a slow process. And um, it's probably started, I got into Jordan Peterson. So he was the first one? 
but he's actually religious and stuff. He but but he just uh, got me into like evolutionary thinking and stuff of that sort. So so you think he's the first one that got you thinking differently than what no, your regular path? Well, not really, because there's the only reason I got into Jordan Peterson is because of other people. So it's a chain reaction. But that's sort of like the first figure I could sort of point to. So anything um, before that, you can't you can't. Uh... I could probably even think hard enough, but it's not super significant, right? But like Jordan Peterson introduced me to evolutionary thinking, which is you know the idea that organisms evolve and his he he gave he took it as like a premise that you know the earth is much more than 5000 years old um and stuff like that so um the was more this a book or a video him, no i just always listened to his lectures and his videos okay. um and then later on i read this book called the faith instinct which uh sort of worked within that similar framework which talked about like how who's the author I don't even remember i <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry if you're listening faith instinct author but uh, i can't remember you um, so I read it and it, uh, it basically goes through the idea that like faith is a built in evolutionary instinct that's, that's evolutionarily advantageous, you know, helps in survival and stuff like that. And there was a specific chapter that I remember reading. I remember the night and it just like completely blew away all belief I had because it was talking about, um, it was talking about like the, the stories in the Torah and the Bible. And it was saying like how the archeology span doesn't match it anymore. And, you know, it's not historically documented. And I was just like, I was blown away. I was just like, the foundations of the world were just, you know, torn from under. How old are you then? Um, I'd say 15 and a half, 16. Okay. Yeah. Bear in mind, I'm only 17 right now. So it's uh, not, it's not like a long, long journey. But, uh, and then what was the other question? Or was that? Yeah. What, what was there a specific, oh. like, that was the starting point. Yeah, and then um, and then it just developed from there. You know, I got into like those YouTube Richard Dawkins debates creation. It's like just all the all that bogus stuff that doesn't really get you anywhere. But you know, it, it's entertaining, kind of like the Ben Shapiro stuff. <laughs> and, sorry, Ben Shapiro. Um, and then you know, I got more into more serious philosophers, Nietzsche and other. So before that, before fifteen, you never studied philosophy. I did actually. I was into Aristotle. I was into uh, the meditations. Before of Jordan Aurelius. Peterson. Yeah, yeah. I was into that before and during. You know, was, they did the the they sort of fed each other because Jordan Peterson is a philosopher and he's into all these sort of people. Um, I thought he's a psychologist. He's a psychologist. The realms they they interact. You know, mm -hmm. they intersect. And um, but then there was one point when I just realized, and I was talking with a friend, and we we were both sort of going through this process together. And we just both realized, like, you know, we don't believe anymore. Like, we're not actually believers. Like, we're what you would call atheists. And that sort of was a, it was world-shaking in a sense, but it was also transformative. It felt like I can, like, uh, there's so much possibilities now and so much else out there um, for me to sort of explore. So, but that was, this is probably a year ago, about. Okay, and then what changed from... From that belief, in the last, let's say, year, has right. any of your beliefs yeah. so evolution? I've shifted dramatically. Like, I, I considered myself completely atheist. Back um, then. Back then. I don't know how much I kept, you know, religiously. But uh, I'm not, today I'm not speaking, talking about practice. Right, like, but, practice, but I'm saying, like, right, your... philosophically speaking, I was definitely an atheist. And, um, and, and along with that came, came a lot of other beliefs because... Atheism, it can't exist on its own, right? And that's the main thing that sort of started to shift my thinking 
because I realized that atheism on its own is actually not the belief, but rather the lack of a belief, and you can't build anything off of that. Um, I realized the importance of having a worldview and having a frame, and I realized that from you know all sorts of people, people like uh, um, even people like Jordan Peterson, you know, back people, to Jack, back right, to Peterson. It was a complete, complete uh, three sixty where I realized that, and everything at its root is belief. That's another thing I realized. Um, so it was a couple sort of things, but but you know, so so along comes with it comes nihilism, comes the belief that there is no value in things. But I never really fully believed in that because I always had the original framework of like philosophy of like Marcus Aurelius, Stoicism. So Not like, original from like school. from Right. No, but I'm saying original from like my own philosophy from before I was atheist, which was a lot more value centered and like there is meaning in everything. So I was like a atheist nihilist by declaration, but I was probably more like a stoic, you know, maybe more Buddhist in a sense because <laughs> I meditated and stuff. Um but then, then I started learning more, and I started learning about the Big Bang Theory. And it surprises a lot of people when I tell them that the reason I now believe in God is because of the Big Bang. But uh, I can try to explain it, because most people assume the Big Bang disproves God in some sort of way, where it's like, right. you know, there was some force that happened at the beginning of the world. Most people have a misconception of what the Big Bang was. When I tell people I believe in the Big Bang, or the Big Bang is what makes me believe in God... They say, what, you believe two rocks sit together and created life? So that's, you know, flawed on so many fronts. It's not even worthy. I mean, I'll give the basic thing because the Big Bang is just basically saying that there was a point in time right. when everything was together mm -hmm. and then it all expanded outward in, you know, a matter of milliseconds. So is that belief or science? No, that's pure, pure empirical science. Okay, so it's right? not a, it's so not that a was, belief yeah, system. That was not a belief. I mean, listen, everything has a teeny bit of belief in it because you have to trust in a sense that the scientists, you know, use the proper testing tools, but you can observe it yourself. You know, you could, you could replicate you could, it. You could replicate it. It's, it's just about the, it's based off the, the background. It's called the background microwave radiation. And, uh, you know, it's they you could just scan the light of the universe and you see that it all coalesced at one single point back in time. Um, so that's a, that's a, that's guaranteed? I mean, that, that, Well, listen, nothing in science, this is the mistake people make in modern times. They assume science is, facts. Is, is, is right, is facts, is truth. Science never professes to be truth. Science says that it's the best possible explanation that we currently have, given all of the evidence. So, you know, it could be disproven, but for right now, this is the best we have to sort of work with about the beginnings of the universe. Um, However, the reason I say that that it uh, that it requires a belief in God is because there's a basic rule that's present in the universe, that's present in our day to day lives, that's empirical in every sense of the word. Right. Right. Empirical meaning it could be tested. It's observed. Right. Observable. Right. The which is basically the belief in cause and effect. Cause and effect is the idea. Something is caused by something else. You know, if I pick up this pen right now. There is the pen, there's me, I'm picking it up, and something happens from my causing it to happen. Mm -hmm. Basically, you know, if you see this pen, you're going to assume that it's created from something else. Everything so you mean has someone created it? Someone or something. There's right. some prior cause. Right. Now, the problem is you can't extrapolate that back forever because the Big Bang was a point where all matter and all energy was started. Started. You know, there was no matter and energy before that for all practical purposes. Um, and that squarely contradicts the belief in some eternal universe, 
right? Because it's eternal, if, if, well, eternal, eternal, oh. right? Because if you don't believe in God, then the only real alternative of saying how the universe came to be, unless you want to th throw your hands up and say, well, I'm agnostic, right. which is a cop-out, in my opinion. Right. Um, the only alternative is that the universe um, is eternal. And whether, you know, you want to say how the ancient Greeks said it, that, you know, it's, it's a constant cycle of changing, or if you want to, uh, like modern people will say, well, before the Big Bang, there may have been a multiverse, you know, but that's just as much hypothesizing as saying there's a God. Right. And the reason I don't think the multiverse hypothesis is valid is simply for the fact that it requires um, extra um, predicates, extra ideas, right. extra... It requires so much more to believe in a multiverse than to believe in one Big first bang. cause. Right. Right. And then people would obviously counter this with saying, well, you know, how do you know what's the God of the Bible? Well, you don't. This is not trying to say that. All I say with the Big Bang is that it... it, it uh, it allows for and it uh, explains why it's logically tenable to believe that there's some force that first began the universe. Right. Right. Now, um, ha has your belief changed? You know, so like the Jewish people is, is the most ancient that I think that there is. Is there? Yeah, there's older. You know, there's older. But I'm saying, let's say Christianity believes in... Well, of the modern Western world, we're the oldest because the modern Western world is predicated on, you know, Jewish and then Christian and then Muslim values. Um, not Muslim. I mean, the, the Abrahamic religion world. Right. But there did exist, you know, just the Canaanites, for example. Right. Right. Or other early... Um, but I'm saying a, a living groups. body of, of a group. Oh, that now exists? That now exists. Well, there's the... You could say there's the people who are based off the Vedic, the Vedic texts, which would be like the, the Hindus. Um, but it's not the same thing because the DNA is, uh, markedly different. And then, um, there's the problem of, there's the problem of the beliefs change very dramatically throughout no the continuity. ages of Hinduism. There isn't really continuity in the sense that we're talking about when you have a direct line of descent as you have in Judaism. Right. Did your appreciation throughout this journey, you know, starting from 15, did your appreciation of Judaism change, like, let's say, being the chosen nation? So, like, even people that, that, that are Christians are not shy about Jewish people being the Jewish nation and being the chosen nation. And they're not embarrassed about it. And they, you know, uh, there's no question about that. Did your belief change over time about the Jewish people being different, unique? Well, I mean, this is going to get into... Uh risky territory here because you know you could be labeled racist or whatever they like to they like to call people these days but based on a st statistical average uh ashkenazi jewish people tend to have higher iq than the average population right i mean that's just a basic scientific study you can call it racist all you want but, right but uh um so that's one difference and and the reason for that difference is multifaceted there was the genetic necessity um, or biological necessity for intelligence that was sort of the trait that was selected for because when you're living in a host country you know which is where Jews live for the majority of the history you can't really afford to try to fight it out with brawn you have to sort of maneuver your way so the Jews performed this grand crazy reverse evaluation of things where um, they used to be tough people, right? So they had like to. They had David's to. Time. They had to. All the warriors were wiped out. 
the whole warrior class and the farmer class was wiped out. All that's left was the priests, right? And so what happened is it had it underwent a crazy transformation. What happens to a regular civilization after it gets defeated by an enemy is the defeated tribe accepts the gods or God, if it's a monotheistic religion, of the conquering tribe. Right. Right. And there's no reason to think otherwise because gods back then were conceptualized as like the spirit of your tribe. You know, and if the spirit of your tribe died... Because they got conquered by another guy. Evidently... Their, their God is better. Their God is better. Um, and then it was for this reason, actually, that the Romans, when they first encountered the Jews and the Christians, they actually thought that they were atheists. They mm. called the Jews atheists <laughs> because they're like, what do you mean? You you believe in, you, you know, you don't believe in our gods? How could you not? We conquered you. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, so even after being conquered, the Jews never accepted their Right. So their because, rule. because they, you know, the whole, the, it was the priestly class that was left what we would call the rabbis back then it was more like the Pharisees. Yeah. And, um, and so they sort of had to, it was a survival mechanism and it lasted us throughout thousands of years of persecution. I mean, I mean, how long somewhere? Yeah. yeah at least 2000 years of, of, you know, of persecution and, uh, of all sorts, you know, you could just read the history books for that. So why are the majority of Jews today? Not religious. If, if it came from, if if the exile religion sort of started with the priest and the sort of the rabbis, so at this point, there should be more Orthodox Jews than secular Jews. Well, you have to remember like which periods we're talking about. Like so, mo- modern times when you're saying that there's more secular Jews, you're largely referring to let's say in America or like other even in Israel, there are more secular than than religious Jews. Uh huh. Well, Israel. So right, Israel or America. Both of those places are countries that are, at the heart, are 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 not based on religious values. It's a secular, say. right? America less so, but Israel definitely was not based off religious values to begin with. Right. It was nationalistic values. Right. You know, I'm not bashing Israel at all. Right. You know, I'm just saying that you have to understand what the founding um, values were. So, right. so Israel started off as a nationalistic, like a home for the for the Jewish nation. It not was for a, the religion. It was, it was a racial thing. Right. right, not racist. It was a racial thing, right? right? And it, in a sense, you could call it national socialism, mm-hmm. because it was a socialistic um, ideology and it was nationalistically based. Right. So if you want to say that the the Jews are Nazis, <laughs> you know, you can get away with that. Um, but then America also America has a very strong emphasis on just like blending in, you know, and just like becoming like the host population, the melting pot. The melting pot you know, everyone's equal. So when you have these sort of ideologies that are just uh, so instilled in people from birth and from this education system, you know, it's very hard to to come back to roots and to come to like a to come to a uh, a more grounded spiritual original tradition. Because if you look at intermarriage and if you look at uh, the the rate of of Jews, oh, yeah, yeah, it's it's way higher in the in the secular community, and that makes sense because you know you're going to school with non-Jews and you know, stuff like that. So there's, I mean, there's no reason why we wouldn't think that would be the case. Right. So then eventually this thing will wither out unless you're orthodox. So that's how, that's the interesting thing because um, genetics doesn't always work on just a purely genetic level. Right. Um, Also culture. There's culture, right? So, so if you have cultural ideas, ideas and ideals could last irregardless of whether the population is smaller. 
Right. But it could not. It can't last as long as let's say a Torah, like a book, and and like a, a text, essential text. Well, when, that would be so, an essential text or something like that. I'm saying that would be an example of something that when someone says I'm Jewish because I tick on all along, I fix the world. Right. It's like it's not practical. I do social justice. Social justice. I help out. I march at BLM. <laughs> yeah, and they think I'm very Jewy by doing these right, things. Right. I eat bagels and locks. Right. That archetype. So the question is, how long does that last? When it's statistically like two generations, right? Maybe bagels, a little bit more. Bagels and locks and and yeah. and riots. Yeah, maybe a little bit more. But uh, but see, that's the thing because Does, you basically really these days only have two alternatives. People think it's like the left and the right or anything like that. It's really globalism versus nationalism. Right. That's basically the only two alternatives you have. And every, each side will say the other side is evil and is destructive. You know, the the globalists will point to Nazis and say this is what nationalists are. And the, the, you know, nationalists will point to globalists and say, you guys are communists, you're trying to destroy the world, make everyone, you know, slaves. So. But what does that have to do with Judaism? Well, so I'll explain, because the ideal of the secular world currently is oriented toward globalism Mm -hmm. as a whole. So globalism is the idea that, uh, you know, we shouldn't have cultural boundaries so much. You don't self-identify. Right. There's not so much, I'm a Jew and you're not. I'm a human. Right, the famous, and yeah. humanistic values which were popularized during the Enlightenment, right? You could say it had its start with John Locke and the and the Declaration of Independence, but it's you know it's gone way further than that. It's gone like to the point of absurdity. I would say it's almost like a parody of uh, of, of the original you know American democracy. Right. So so then you have that, and then you have on the other side nationalism, which is the idea that a people is the is the ideal and it's what it's what should be focused upon and that's based upon it could be based upon race it could be based upon ideas so with judaism it's a religion so that's the interesting thing about judaism so judaism it's 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 not i would say it's a mixture of all because because judaism is there is a racial um there is a dna code that could show up and say you are jewish right my friend took a dna test and uh, he came back 99% Ashkenazi Jewish. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it showed up on the DNA test. So there's a part so of it. So that has to do with him, with his ancestors keeping kosher, keeping the well, laws? Well, no. That just meant that they married only other Ashkenazi Jews. So it, it's not about practice. Right. Not at all. Right. Because he could be the most estranged. Not he personally, but let's say a few generations earlier. Right. Well, Maybe not, because if a few generations earlier, then the kids may have already intermarried by the time it gets to him. So he wouldn't be. But if he's a hundred, if he's 99% Ashkenazi, that means that they kept it going somehow. And they probably kept it going because if, if religion's important, then you marry someone right. that's within your religious right. thing. Cause, but that's the thing. So it's, not just, so it's it, not just religion. Because here's the thing. You have many other tribes and cultures that didn't intermarry, but not for religious reasons. For very basic um, self-survival survival. reasons. Right. You know, you not just survival, but thriving. People think of that as like an evil thing these days. Like, oh, what? You won't marry someone who's not of your race? But that's just a basic thing. You want your genes to survive. Right. Your genetic code. And those who look like you and those who are like you are the closest to your genetic code. So you want, uh, you know, you want that to continue to propagate in the earth. There's nothing evil about that. You know, if that's evil, then life is evil. Right. Right. So, um, so... So Judaism, so I'm trying to get a handle. So you're saying it's 
it's a practicing religion that kept yeah. So us that's the thing. It's a, it's, sort it's, of different. It's practice, and so that was actually the funny thing is. So now also going back to the faith instinct, right? Going t- taking full circle. Right. Um, the faith instinct basically explained that you know this 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 instinct for religious belief or this practice of religious belief is something that has evolutionary evolutionarily evolutionary <laughs> advantage. Right, it has an advantage. It 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 helps because otherwise it wouldn't exist. That's the that's that was the the premise of the book. But you could take it in another way. You could say, you know, it has evolutionary advent ad, advantage uh, because it's true, mm-hmm. right? Because it's it it's the proper way of living. So for the Jewish people, right, right. I mean, it's about it's about time tested principles versus new global ideals. So do you have now versus, let's say, uh, when you're 15, do you have a better appreciation of Judaism? Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, because before I viewed it, I, I, I was a reactionary in my atheism. I just viewed Judaism as the normative, and then I want to go against the normative. Mm-hmm. What I didn't realize is that Judaism is actually the exception, and it's beautiful in that exception. It's, it's different than the regular, and it's, it, it has this this power that's lasted through generations and you know we don't die out that's the thing it's it's it from from uh from richard dawkins perspective you know he might bash religion all he wants but we're we're the most successful people around mm-hmm. right from a biological perspective and you know you might be wondering if now i believe in god and stuff of that sort why do i still talk so much about evolution and biology because i still think those are integral i still believe in those right those are still sort of my foundational framework in a sense, science, I still have a great appreciation it, for science. But is that a belief or is that a study where you study biology, you well, study... It, it became a belief from the studying of it, right? I, I spent a lot of time studying evolution. You know, not a lot. I'm not that old. You know, I'm sounding like an old college professor. But, like, I studied a lot and, and you know, it just, it, it strikes me as true. So it's and, not just a study of, let's say, accounting, you no, know, when, or no, a study it, it, law. It's also my worldview in a sense. So it's not a like study. I view, like right. when I, like when I, when I'm, let's say, observing the world of politics, I, I think, I think about what's the evolutionary basis for this. Mm-hmm. And I always find something. So it's always interesting. Yeah. So to wrap it up, what's sort of how, how did you how did you change your perspective of of Jewish people well I wasn't and, trying to change it right you know it's just it happened do you over have time. more it happened over time from from uh, observing the differences and learning more about ancient cultures learning about how modern culture um, stemmed from these ancient cultures and the interactions that occurred throughout the whole time so what's your belief now is there do you have a specific belief or it's more uh, evolving your belief it's sort of yeah it's evolving you know, I'm 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 an evolution of uh, I'm an evolving creature, and uh, I still like uh, I still like biology and science, and uh, I'm starting. I like Nietzsche a lot, Friedrich <laughs> Nietzsche, the German uh, the German philosopher. Um, so he sort of plays him and other thinkers of that sort play a sort of central role in my thought. Um, but in regards to Judaism, I I uh, I can't say how much I believe every part of it. I definitely believe in God now, um, but I have a much vaster appreciation for you know the whole edifice of it. So if you had an opportunity to talk to a, a scientist, is there a particular scientist you would like to talk to? Oh, that's good. Dead or alive? No, alive. Oh, alive. I don't know. 
Maybe some. Uh, I mean, you're still on your beginning sort of journey of science. Maybe like Brett Weinstein. He's mm-hmm. like a Jewish evolutionary biologist. Uh-huh. So that might be interesting. Mm-hmm. Is there something that he may say that may change your comp- like completely your view of of life, Judaism and stuff? Yeah, but he's not religious, so I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, I, I'm totally open to the possibility of things changing. You know, mm-hmm. I think I think as human beings and as uh, Jews or as anything, you know, right. as whatever we are, we're we're creatures that can change and adapt and we can uh, we can always find new ways and better ways of doing things. Well, so this is this is a great interview. I really appreciate you came down to our studios all the way in Nebraska and we wish you luck in all your all your great uh, activities great to and be uh, here. Thank you so much for having me. Everyone, peace out. Live life. <laughs> <laughs>